0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church.
1: Conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead on the third day. He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Give a clap. Give somebody a hug near you. Touch a couple people and just declare the peace of God over some people near you. Just touch them on the shoulder. You might be like, I don't want to be peace. I don't want peace on me. I don't want people touching me. Wave at them and say, God's peace upon you. I declare the peace of God upon you. In the name of Jesus, I declare the peace of God upon you. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. And uh, you know, if you got a real Bible, you can go ahead and uh, put your finger in Joshua as well. But we're going we're going we're going to kind of we're going to open the scriptures today amen amen i um i uh i had uh, my mom um, had a birthday recently and um we we uh, we had a dinner and um you know my, my i have two sisters uh one sister uh, never married uh, another sister has a handful of kids i got a couple kids uh, spouses and all that good stuff and so uh, there isn't very often that it's just um My my, just my immediate family. Um, Everybody, act like I didn't say this. All right, son, you got to switch the lights. And um, uh, just give it up for our production team, if you would. They're working behind the scenes. They show up early. Amen. Amen. You got to turn off the worship one now. There you go. Look, she did it. It's so good. I'm so thankful the people who serve God. So, so now you know. uh, It was just. uh, It was just my mom myself and my two sisters, which like hasn't, it was weird because it's like that hasn't happened in years. We didn't have any of our spouses. We didn't have any kids. We weren't any friends. It was just the four of us having dinner. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's funny because with your immediate family, you have a different relationship than you do with the other people around you, right? Can we be honest? Like, and, and, and if we can be really honest, when it's just us, we revert a little bit to our childhood, right? Like we're like, we're older, but we still kind of act like, the kids, because we are right, and so you might tease each other a little bit and talk to mom. But so my my, my, uh, my mom, myself, you know, we grew up in Delray, and um, my mom. Uh, there was a time that my mom had a, had a little business on twentieth um, and second. For those who are are local here, uh, those online may not know what I'm talking about, but you know, on twentieth and second, where there's that uh, Dunkin' Donuts. You know what I mean? So there's that little shopping center there. And uh, my mom had a little business in there like way back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, right? And, um, <clears throat> and uh, we had a little business in there. And uh, Dunkin' Donuts wasn't a Dunkin' Donuts back then. And uh, we were kind of talking about, you know, the, the Delray Mall, which none of you have ever heard of. Uh, and uh, just different things that used to be happening in Delray. And, uh, you know, there was a time at Arby's. Uh, there was an Arby's in like North Delray on, and you're like, oh, Arby's. But there was a time you would go to Arby's and they would actually cut the roast beef onto your sandwich. And it was delicioso. And I was talking about that. And, um, and I said to my sister, do you remember back before it was Dunkin' Donuts, there used to be a Wendy's there? And she's like, yeah. And I said, and remember, Wendy's used to fresh cut uh, French fries. Like, like they had, you would walk in and there was this big thing of potatoes at the front counter, and they'd actually cut the potatoes. They had this machine, this manual thing, and it would force them out, and then they would cook these fresh potatoes. And she says, yeah, no, that wasn't Wendy's. I was like, no, 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 it was Wendy's right there before Dunkin' Donuts. She goes, no, I don't, I don't think that was Wendy's. I was like, I remember going to Wendy's because they would charge us five cents for a cup of water. And she goes, no, that was that Wov's. I said, Wov's? What are you talking about, Wov's? I was like, you literally just made that name up. There is no way... She goes, no, 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 I remember I Wov Wovs. It was their commercial. I was like, there's no way there was a restaurant named Wovs. And so, you know, we do what everybody does and we Googled it, right? And put out the picture if you would. That's the picture of the Wovs. That's where the, the Dunkin' Donuts used to be. I Wov Wovs. That was, you know, it was Wovs hamburgers. And, and that turned into a Wendy's, which turned into Dunkin' Donuts. And I was like... Wow! My, and, and, it, and and from it was, that was a little. I don't like being wrong a lot, right? Like, I'm not. I try not to argue about things when I'm wrong, right? I try to only argue about things when I'm right. And so my, so you can you can put my shame down now, Sonny. That's good. That's enough. Um, <clears throat> you can put it down. And so um, and so my sister, I was just like, and I just sat there. And if you live a prophetic life, nothing happens by accident, right? And so I'm sitting there, um. And I knew God was speaking to me. And I'm like, well, I don't think he's speaking to me about fresh cut french fries, right? Like, I don't think that was the point of the message. God, God was reminding me. He's like, you know, nobody hears me alone. You, there, no, no, nobody knows truth alone. Nobody, nobody is. A, it's never a solo endeavor to encounter truth. We need to look at the past. I have found, like, if you go back to the house you grew up in, it's a lot smaller than you remember. You go back and, and you're like, I remember this whole thing being bigger. I remember my school being bigger. I remember everything. Being, and it's very different. And, and, and we have to look like we are terrible uh, as a church, as a prophetic community, as a church in America. We are terrible at taking a prophetic eye and looking backwards. We, as a matter of fact, the popular teachings say or don't look back don't look back, look forward and declare the forward you want, declare the future. It's all about the future. And they never tell us to, hey, why don't you sit down with somebody who knows you well and the Holy Ghost and uh, and, and, and look back and figure out, you know, what really happened in the past. And my sister was like, no, no, we used to go to Woves, And I was like, wow, I completely. And then the Lord began to talk to me about this subject. As I went through the scriptures for today, I knew he was, he was talking to me. And, and, and I, and I, I Want to briefly share with you some of my journey, uh, in, in hopes that um, uh, we can see the bigger journey that we're all on, uh, and, and and then that you then can extrapolate that onto your journey, uh, and that'll make sense in a second. Are you okay with that? Okay, so you know we we we're 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 all on a journey with God. We we, we like um, there's the popular teaching is that the journey to God is just an instant and you make a prayer, and, and your goal is to get somebody to say a prayer, and then the journey is effectively done. That's kind of how we preach the gospel. You get saved, and then you go to church, and maybe you make other people go to church, and uh, then you wait until you die, right? Like that's, that's kind of the journey with God. That's the God journey. Uh, and, and, and I would submit that possibly that's not really true. Um, I, I am on a journey in my life, and this is... Um, I, I, I I, I got a prophetic word. Those of you uh, who are the faithful remnant that showed up on time, heard me talk about this prophetic word that I got right before service. And um, it, it's rocking me a little bit because it rings so true. But we are all constantly on a journey with God. And, and, and God is challenging each of us to find our story in God's story. The real story of your life is found in the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a side player in the Bible, right? We we, we are not the main character and Jesus is a side character. The, The whole story is about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about our economy. It's about Jesus and what God is trying to do to redeem the world through Jesus Christ. This is the God story. And it's important as we seek Identity, we seek vision, we seek purpose. We have to do the work of finding our story within God's story. If our story does not line up with God's story, then we're in the wrong chapter of the wrong book. You remember when we studied Elijah um, last year, I believe it was, and we did a deep dive into Kings and we kind of looked at how the prophets ministered. And uh, we, when we studied Elijah, we found the prophets were answering three basic questions. They were asking, where are we in relation to God's will? Right? The prophets trying to answer, how do we get to the captivity that we're in right now? And they were trying to answer, how do we get where God is taking us? This is this is what Elijah, or excuse me, this is what the prophets who wrote the scriptures were trying to answer. The, the scriptures normally were released. Uh, were made public once they already got into captivity. And the people were looking backwards. How did we get to where we are right now? Uh, the prophetic ministry, um, in the West at least, as I'm familiar with it, is obsessed with what is going to happen for me in the future. The, we, are, we are sadly lacking in a scriptural display of prophetic ministry that looks back and says, I can tell you how we got here. I can tell you how we got here and I'm going to help some other people get out of this situation if I can find them in it as well. If you can figure out how you got to where you're at, then you can begin seeing the signs of other people getting to that place and you can help them from avoiding the same mistakes that you've made and also you can keep from repeating the cycles of your life that keep bringing you into destruction, but we have to do the hard work of looking backwards. You see, they were trying to find their story within God's story, and I hope that you're doing the same. I hope that you are trying to discover within God's story where you are at. We can't change the past. We cannot change the past, but we can't ignore it either. We have to learn from God the past, so we can move forward into the destiny that God has for us. See, God has a story, and that story is supposed to play out in your life. God has a story that it's supposed to play out in your life. And we get so caught up in what the world wants our story to be because we don't faithfully discern what God's story is. Here's the questions that come from trying to discover God's true story for our life. Who, who am I? How did I get here? Where am I going? Who, 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 who am I? How did I get here? Where am I going? This, this, this is similar to what Israel asked, but this is what each of us has to ask. We have to find God's story then see where our story fits into his story. We need to be deeply shaped by the story of Christ. Just like I looked back and remembered history wrong and my sister was correcting me. No, 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 no. That's not the actual story. As you get older, you know that you're beginning to get mature, that you you begin to look back and you see the faults of your parents that weren't quite as glaring as you thought they were. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You look back and you're like, oh, now I'm an adult. I got some pressures. I kind of get it now. Doesn't excuse if you were abused. Doesn't excuse if you were neglected. But at the same point, you look now, you're like, I see this through a new lens. As you mature in Christ, you look at the trials and the tribulations and the and the challenges, and you begin to see them through a new lens. You look at them less through your emotion, through your disappointment, through your expectations, and you begin to see God was with me all along. And he was working things out to shape me into a cross-formed life. When we read the Bible, we have to be aware of the story that's being told. Now, as we're going to look at Luke here in a second. Um, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just going to be honest with you today. Um, I am, um, I, I, I'm, I'm greatly troubled. <laughs> Let me just say that. I'm greatly troubled at the number of professional Christians who don't actually understand the Bible, who do not understand the text of the scripture, do not understand what is written and what the point of the thing is and how to rightly divide what the Bible is saying. I remember uh, we had a, a, a beautiful saint of God named Janet who attended our church before she moved to Minnesota. And she had just completed her master's in divinity. And she said, and I was just starting grad school. And she said, you know, you'll, 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 you'll discover that after you, uh, you know, go to grad school and you actually learn the Bible, in which I found a little offensive, I found it a little offensive. It says when you learn, uh, when you actually learn the Bible, you're gonna listen to messages and you're gonna have to operate in a lot more grace. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what what and then I started, I'm like, is that what she's doing with me? Like, is that is that how she's <laughs> listening to my messages, right? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> what are we talking about here? And then I went to and got my master of divinity. And let me tell you, I did not lose my faith at all in Christ, but I have discovered. I have discovered um, a a new layer to the scriptures that I did not know was there. And that layer of the scriptures is called the foundation. And if you get the foundation wrong, the whole house is going to be built wrong. And I'm just going to be honest with the people that are in the room today. In my transition, I, I, um, I am, how do I say this? I, I am striving for the real. I am striving for that foundation which can be built into a large, stable house. I'm looking for a foundation that provides fruit that remains. I want a foundation that can shelter the storms that come. I don't want to have to twist my words when there's some sort of conflict. I don't want to have to twist my words when there's some sort of scandal. I want to build a church that when um, the gates of hell come against it, I can stand firm and not have to manipulate people into walking with me against the truth. This is who Jesus was. This is who Jesus was. Jesus didn't start talking different once there was conflict. Jesus didn't have secret conversations with people so that other people wouldn't hear him. Like he, he wasn't one person in private and one person in public. He didn't have these little hidden agendas that he's whispering behind people and tearing down this person to that person or saying, hey, maybe the problem's you. And No, no, there was a, a Jesus. And you see the Jesus, the Christ, in every single situation he was in. They couldn't manipulate him. They couldn't bribe him. He knew who he was and he stood firm in it. And when people wanted to leave, he said, go on and leave. It's not going to change my mission. It's not going to change my mission. Leave if you want. Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God and said, I will not leave until you bless me. And for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. Hear me. He walked with a limp. There is a church in America today who is terrified of having a limp. And so they will lie and manipulate and and cast doubt and and, and slander people just so they won't have to limp. Not knowing they've already separated themselves from the will of God. Walking proud without Jesus. Jesus. No, no, no. I'd rather limp with the blessings of God on my life. Thank you very much. I want to go to bed at night, put my head down with my integrity, knowing that I have not sinned against God or man. Say what you want about me. Come on. I'm, I'm, You're going to get the same Carl. It's going to be the same me. I'll let the Lord rebuke me. Anyways, here we are. Luke chapter 15. Y'all dragging me off my message here. That ain't dragging me off. That is the message. I'm going to use some scripture to try to make it make sense. Luke chapter 15, we find ourselves Jesus... Excuse me. We see Jesus talking to folks. All right, let me tell you this as we get into this. As you read the Bible, and let me say this. If you don't read the Bible, read the Bible. I am astounded how many Christians don't read the Bible or pray. Read the Bible. That's what Christians do. Christians read the Bible. Christians pray. Christians go to church. Christians serve. Christians give. This is what Christians do. We fight for justice. This is what we do. Can I say here, Amen. Come on, this is, this is like, we are Christians. And you say, well, no, it's just me and Jesus. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the scriptures. No, no, it's just in my heart, not in the Bible, right? We want to be Christians. So, so when Luke is writing, and any of the gospel writers are writing the books, there's, they're, they're telling a story, right? They're telling the story of the life, the sacrifice, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? That is the story they're telling. And within that story are many stories. And sometimes within those stories are more stories. So we see stories within stories within stories, right? So none of those stories will contradict the big story. Even though sometimes the little story will be used to illustrate a bigger story. Does that make sense? And we can't pull out a line from a story that contradicts the story that's being told. Are, are, you, are, you, are you following me here? When you want to understand a scripture, instead of just searching for a word, back up a little bit and try to figure out what the story that's being told is. And then once you get that, try to figure out the story that it's within. Can you say Amen. I hear just so much bad Bible interpretation. Well, this word says that. Yeah, but Jesus is still Jesus. No matter how you misinterpret the word, it doesn't change the story of God redeeming the world to live free from sin and toward God, right? So we got to get the story right. I feel the anointing of God in here, and I believe the Holy Ghost is going to quicken some people's hearts. And at the end, I'm going to pray that your gifts are reactivated. That's where we're going, just so you know, just so you kind of prepare for that. This is where we're going. Hallelujah. I felt the anointing on that. All right. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse one, if you go ahead and open your Bible there, it says, now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. Now, don't you wish that's what they said about you? The sinners were coming near to listen to you. That is not the testimony of the church in America today. That means we're doing something wrong Anyways, let's just stay in the word here. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to what? Grumble. They were not happy. They were, began to grumble saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Pause. Luke tells us that Jesus... Was getting some grief from the, the, the tax, excuse me, from the Pharisees and the scribes because sinners and tax collectors were near Jesus, right? People were upset with Jesus because these sinners were near him, so he told a parable, right? You hear that, right? So he told them a parable. Now, in this one parable are three stories. Three stories we find here in Luke chapter 15. The first story, of course, you've heard of is the lost sheep. There were 100 sheep, and the 99 were together, and one was lost. And so, the, 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 you know, Jesus, of course, talks about how the shepherd goes after the one lost sheep. Now, the Jewish teachers of the day, they stressed God's forgiveness, but only for those who repent. They did not stress God's seeking sinners out. That God desired to be near the sinners, right? So here Jesus talks about seeking the one in the midst of the 100, right? Second story he tells in the midst of the parable in reaction to the people judging him was the story of the lost coin. Now, where there was 100 lost before, now there, there was 100 before, one out of 100 was lost. Now we have one out of... Ten is lost. So the one out of ten is a little more valuable than the one out of a hundred, right? So there's a lost coin. There's a woman had ten coins and lost one, and she found it. And when she found it, she just got so excited, she went to all of her friends to celebrate that she found her lost coin. It must have been very valuable. And then Jesus does a simile here. He says to the, the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. This is how excited God is when sinners come to know God. This is how, I mean, all of heaven rejoices. That, 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 that's how much lost people matter to God. All of heaven rejoices. Now, the Pharisees, he were addressing would have readily agreed, okay, okay, in this instance, uh, you know, if someone repented and they come to God, th- that, that that. okay, well, that makes sense. But this was a woman who found something that was lost. Now, the sheep at least could be looking for his shepherd, but a coin can't look for anybody. I need you to hear me on this. A, a coin can't do anything to get itself found. And yet the woman finds the coin and rejoices And Jesus said, that's just like our Father in heaven. Rejoicing over the thing that could not get itself found, but was found. Talking to the Pharisees, right? Then, he tells the third story. Now, this story you're probably most familiar with, and that's the lost son. We had a lost sheep, a lost coin, which was one out of ten. Now, we got a lost son, which is one out of two. So if the 1 out of 100 was valuable, the 1 out of 10 was very valuable, now we got 1 out of 2. And so he tells this story the longest. The story of the prodigal son. You know, in Luke chapter 15, he says this, and Jesus said, a man had two sons. How many sons? So how many stories do we have here? At least two. But we also got a father. So now we got three stories Within the third story of the three stories within a parable. There's layers in our scriptures that we need to unpack to know God. Right? So we got we got we got we got two sons. So we got two sons' stories. And, and the one son, he told his dad, the younger one, he's like, Hey, I want my inheritance. And so the father, he he gave it to him. And then the son said, now, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take my, my inheritance and, I, and I'm going to dip. And the Bible says he, he, he spent it on loose living. And, and, and the loose there means kind of reckless or foolish living or, or wasteful living. And, uh, 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 and he goes broke. And he lived foolishly. And, 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 and in the midst of his foolishness, he didn't know this, but then a famine came. And in the midst of a famine, you, you don't have a job. That's, that's bad times, right? And so a famine was there. He blew his money. And, uh, and, and, and he got kind of hungry, and he got desperate, and, um, and he began to starve. Now, when he gets desperate, uh, he finds work that is humiliating for him, right? He gets, he gets humiliated because the manna has ceased, right? There's no more provision for him. There, there, there's no more food, uh, and, and, and he's in deep shame. I want you to get this. He was a rich young man. He was a, 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 he was a baller in his day. He was like, we'll call him like an Instagram influencer who does not recognize this money will not last long because your, your star will burn out quickly, right? Like that, that the, the face tattoo thing is not going to get you as far as you think it's going to get you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You cannot, this is not going to last long, right? And so he, he, he gets broke and he's got no food and now he's in deep shame. And, and, and we find him... Uh, working so hungry that he's feeding pigs. Uh, He's doing manual labor. And, And he's like, I wish that I could eat as well as these pigs are eating. But the Bible says there was nobody to take care of him. Right? Verse 17. And the Bible says, but he came to his senses. And he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here. With hunger. This is super important right here. The word senses right there, the Greek word is huron, and literally in the New Revised Standard, the Bible says, but he came to himself. A better translation is he came to himself. He came to who he really was, he came to his true identity, he came to his right mind. So we say he came to his senses doesn't mean he had an idea. That means like he came, like he was separated from his real intellect. He was separated from his true identity. He had been separated from his real purpose. But in the moment of his despair and disgrace and his um, destitute situation, he came to himself. And he realized that his hired hands, his father's hired hands, have more than enough. And so he thought to himself, man, maybe maybe my dad will treat me like one of his hired hands. Now, he thought he was so high and mighty at one point, but he had to go through some trials to come to his true self. He thought he was all of that and everything was going to work out, but he didn't come to his true self till he had to go through some trials. Let me tell you this, you do not know what you're really made of till you have gone through the fire. Can you say amen? There is a way that the trials and the tribulations bring out the true marks of your life, the true call on who you are, the true anointing that has been spoken over you, the true God who is with you. There is something about the trials that God uses that you say, "I do not want to be here." but something is happening on the inside of me in the midst of this trial that's bringing me back to my real self. You say amen. Amen. Child of God who's going through trials right now. Listen, man, I don't like it. I want to go from glory to glory. I want to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. But I just can't find a Bible character that that happened for. I do not think this is the way God works because there's something that happens in the fire. There's something that happens in the trial. There's something that happens when God decides to prune your life of every branch that's got the bugs on it and got the disease on it. It's got the pretty flower at the end, but there's a predator sitting on that branch coming to kill the roots. And God says, I got to cut off this branch so that the whole tree can be healthy. And you're like, God, I've been serving you I've been tithing I've been praying and yet my limb has been cut off and the Lord's like don't you understand I gotta get you healthy and where that one branch got cut off three more are going to grow from there friend I'm telling you it is in the trial that the Lord shows us who we really are and what we're called to there is a trial for each of us and there's seasons of trials but they're just seasons friend the Hebrew story of Joshua. Joshua became the leader of the children of God. And they had just camped on the one side of the river, but they hadn't crossed over yet. And they're sitting there and the Lord tells them, you know, it's, it's time to go across. And they cross over into the promised land. And the Lord, the first thing the Lord says is, you got to circumcise all the men. And I'm like, I don't like, how did you hear that from God? Like I don't I I Wait, what? Right? And I want you to get the prophetic picture here. They their people been traveling in the desert for 40 years. And everybody, virtually everybody with a testimony of Egypt is now dead. And they've only known wandering in the desert and God feeding them with the manna from heaven. This is the life that they grew to know. And when they crossed over into the promised land, you got to expect now everything is going to be easy. I finally made it to what I've been hoping for. I finally come into my destiny. I finally come into the promise. But the first thing God says is, it's time to cut off some of the old stuff. It's time to cut off some of the stuff I told you to get out of your life from the beginning. There's time, it's time to cut back on things that I had told you was going to bring forth the promise. It's time for a circumcision. And so the Bible says they went ahead and they circumcised all the men and the young men and they made a covenant with God. And after this, they made this covenant with God, God spoke To Joshua, we see in Joshua 5, 9, the Lord says to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. The word Gilgal means to roll away or to roll back. See, these people who had wandered in the desert for years did not even recognize that they had been carrying the reproach of Egypt. They just grew up with the people they grew up with, they grew up with the family they grew up with, and they just lived the way they thought they were supposed to live, not even recognizing that they were living away from the covenant of God. They did not recognize they were living under the shame of slavery that was still over them. They did not recognize they were still in the bondage emotionally. Today, I am going to roll away the reproach of Egypt from you. I have rolled it away and you'll call it Gilgal. He's taken away the shame. And listen, I believe today the Lord wants to do the same. He wants to take away the pressures of the world, the false identities that others have put upon you that didn't come from God. Maybe your family grew up broke, and now you live with a spirit of poverty. Maybe you were abused as a child, and you look at yourself as a victim today. Maybe you think that that abuse is continuing in your heart. I'm telling you, we need a Gilgal. We need need a gilgal of god to come and roll away the shame of the past, to roll away the accusations of the people who lied upon you, roll away the lies that are still hanging off of you because you think that the lies were true because one word in it might have been true. I'm here to let you know that it's time to make a covenant with God and let him roll away the shame. Can you say amen. We need a gilgal. We need a gilgal. Joshua 5, here's what happens in verse 11. He says, on the day after Passover. On the day after Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cake and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan in that, during that year. What does that have to do with anything? I need you to hear this. So they came into the promised land. And they had always gotten this manna from heaven. The bread just showed up. It just showed up. They didn't have to work for it at all. Now they come into the promised land. They have to get circumcised. Bad enough. Then the manna stops. And they're thinking, what happened to the blessing? What, what happened to the covenant? What, what, what happened to the provision? What happened to the blessing? And maybe you're in a situ- similar situation today. You're like, the blessing was happening and then it stopped. Why, 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 why have you abandoned me, God? And, and this, 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 see, when you come to yourself, you're going to lose some of the things you needed when you were someone else. When you come to yourself, when you come into your true identity, when you come into your promise, some of the the things that God had to give you because you weren't tapped into your true source have to get cut off so you can live in the blessing that God has for you. He had to stop the manna from heaven coming down because they were supposed to live off the fruit of the land. The Lord said, I'm bringing you into the land of milk and honey. They had to tap into their true identity, which was the promise. Land and stop living in the poverty mindset of the desert. Now, I'm sure that wasn't exciting to them because they hadn't been farming, they hadn't been gathering, they hadn't been herding. But now, in the promised land, God had to take away some of the things that they were using while the reproach was still over them that they thought was a blessing. But the blessing wasn't the real blessing of God. The blessing was just the sustenance to keep them alive so they could come into their true calling. Can you say amen? Come on, this is a good word right here. And so sometimes we come into the blessing and God speaks to us and the very thing we prayed for comes to pass and we're like, man, things got hard and we walk away from God. And God's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is what I've been trying to bring you into all along. And if you will just be faithful in this new thing, I will teach you how to prosper in the midst of your promise. Don't go back to the world. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to the desert. Don't go back to how you used to be. Trust God in this new season. There is a provision that you have not known of yet. He say amen? amen. See, you think you made a mistake. You think you, think, you think you missed it because it's starting to get harder. But you just got to Gilgal. You just got to the place where the reproach was rolled away. And now it's time to operate in this new identity. You see, they, they walked around like enslaved people who had to be fed. They had journeyed like people who were unable to provide for themselves. And when you're a new believer and God has got you living in the Christ bubble, the Holy Ghost bubble where everything is miracles and testimonies, and, and God's like, this is so cute. And then he's like, man, it's time to grow up a little bit. I need you to be the person that I've called you to be. I need you to be the kingdom man, the kingdom woman, the kingdom parent I've called you to be. And then things get a little difficult, and you're like, ah, I'm used to God doing it for me. He's like, that that, that was was to be a tutor. That's, That's when you were a child. That's when things were learning. That's when things were growing. But now, now that you are in this place, now that Gilgal has happened, now that the reproach has been rolled away, it's time for you to flourish into your true call. Friend, don't, 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 don't start quitting when things get difficult. It's time to flourish. It's time to grow. It's time to prosper. It's time to walk in true identity. You got to allow God to roll away the old identity. Don't, don't, don't fall into the trap of feeling sorry for yourself. Don't fall into the trap of wanting things like they used to be. See, when I was with my mom and my two sisters and we started acting like little kids again, I, I wasn't expecting my mom to pick up the tab and tell us to stop fighting. No, no, see, now I've come into adulthood, right? And and we're going to pay for my mom's dinner and the sisters, we're going to tease each other a little bit, but we're going to be adults about it because we began talking about little things that happened in our childhood, but then we began talking after we recuperated all that and we started going over all that and we started you know, kind of going back and forth. Then we started talking about, hey, what's your career goal? I understand you're going for an advanced degree now. I hear you're going to move into this new career. I understand that you're going on this trip, you see, because now we've moved into adulthood and now we're talking about adulthood things. We're not still saying, you know, who's going to use the bathroom first? You know, we're not, we're not arguing about, you know, no, did you t- don't touch me. Did you touch? She touched me, mom. Mom, she touched me. No, I didn't touch him. He was near me, and so I just pushed him away. But she touched me, and I told you not to touch me. No, see, that's nonsense. I didn't need mom to come anymore. Gilgal has happened, and I'm no longer a child. Now I'm an adult living as an adult. Amen. Amen. And we need to live as adults with Jesus Christ. Absolutely dependent on him, but not as a child. Back to Luke 15. Are you with me here? Are you getting anything out of this? I need you to be getting something out of this. God is trying to grow us up a little bit. Ha. Back to our story within the story within the story. Amen. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 17. Back to the prodigal son. It says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired, hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here. With hunger. Now in his humility, he began to see other people rightly. You remember last week we talked about the 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 vineyard, the vine keeper and the fig tree. Remember that? And, 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 and the vine keeper said, Look, don't cut it down. Uh, don't don't cut it down. Let's give it another year and we'll put some we'll put some fertilizer. The word is dung. We'll put some dung on it, and in a year. Let's give it another shot. See, see, dung, as I said in the Bible, almost always represents humility. And if you're not flourishing right now, the answer is probably going to be, it's time to get a little more humble and give God some time. Get a little more humble, give God some time. We're just, we're, 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 we're I'm just going to speak honest. I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn off preacher mode. I'm going to, be honest, in the church in America today, we, we, we're dying for, some, for people to promise us that things are going to be easy and that things are going to happen fast and everything's going to work exactly the way we want it to turn out. And, and it's cool and it sells books, but it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, Lord, your will be done. Yeah. Jesus had us pray that because our will is not his will. We are swayed by this world, and we need to surrender. I hope you're praying the Lord's Prayer every day. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life. And he says to this barren fig tree, he tells the, the vine owner, the vine, the vine the keeper tells the vineyard owner, listen, I, I, I'm going to pastor this tree well. And the, the vine keeper is, is, is Jesus, and you are the barren fig tree. I am the barren fig tree, that in my areas of fruitlessness, I seem to be a little more humble and give God a little more time for him working all things together for good. Can you say amen? amen. amen. My job is to get humble. It's his job to tend my vine. Amen. I think that's a good word right there. And I know that <laughs> it's not a magic trick to blessings. It's just the gospel of Jesus Christ. So verse 22, he's like, man, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's he's, you know, he, he he's trying to get it right. He's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to come to himself in this in this new season. He's trying to, he's trying to figure out how this whole thing works. He's he, he's been humiliated with hunger. And now here he is trying to figure stuff out. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He's starting to see people rightly, though, in the midst of his hunger. He says, he says, watch this. He sees his dad rightly in it. The son says to his father, excuse me, go back to verse 17 if you would. I'm sorry. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? Now, he's starting to come right. He's starting to get it right. He's starting to see his father right. In humility, he's starting to see his father right. He sees his dad. Ah my dad is generous. He'll take care of me. I can just get a job here, right? Right? But, but he didn't see himself right yet. He didn't, he didn't see himself right. He did the right stuff. He went home, he repented, but he still saw himself as marked by his past mistakes. Watch this, verse 21. The son said to the father, father, I have sinned against heaven. And when you read this kind of scriptures, uh, the Jews didn't use the name of God. And so they often used heaven instead of God. Because they wouldn't say Yahweh. It was too holy to say. And when they write it, they didn't put the vowels in there. Um, and so we don't really know how they pronounce the word Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on how you pronounce it. It's the same word, Yahweh, Jehovah. It's just depending on what vowels you put where. We don't know how to pronounce it. And so often they found the name so holy, they wouldn't use the word God They'd use the word heaven, right? <clears throat> so, the, so the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Now, the, now he's starting to get it right. His sin, he sinned against his father, but he also sinned against God for not honoring his dad and trusting him, taking his life into his own hands, right? I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, verse 22, said to his slaves, "Bring quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to what? Celebrate, right? So we got another party. Got a third celebration happening in the story within the story within the story. Another celebration. But but the son thought, I want you to get this. The son thought, He had to make a sacrifice to come into his father's goodwill. I'll humble myself. I'll become a slave. I'll become a slave. And then my father will forgive me and feed me. But the father sent a sacrifice for his son. Get the fatted calf and kill it. And then let's feed it up for my boy. Come on. Come on, somebody. The father, the father, the good father gave the sacrifice. For those of you who are away from God you do not have to be the sacrifice. God is not sacrificing your future, You don't have to sacrifice your call. You don't have to sacrifice your identity. The father of all fathers has made a sacrifice for you to come back to him. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in Christ, I'm here to let you know the father is ready to welcome you back with open arms and all the angels of heaven are ready to celebrate at you declaring Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have spent the last week stuck on stupid, stuck in sin, stuck just being away from your call, having the reproach of your past, stuck in your head. If the devil has been lying about what you did, the father has a sacrifice and a ring and a robe and a feast and his servants are being sent out to prepare a place for you. And I would tell you right now, just receive it right now. Just receive that the Father is waiting for you right now. It's a good story, I'm here to tell you. It's a very, very, very good story and worthy of celebration. So we see this. Come on, but there's more. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians, I'm, I just want to reiterate this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, put it up if you got it. For if, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have, new things have come. Leave that up for a second. I think I shared this story, but Mike Rentler said I didn't, so I'm going to share it again. I was, uh, I was in prayer And uh, I have prayers with Jesus that are a lot like me complaining. Right? I'm pleading my case to Jesus. I'm pleading your case to Jesus. I have friends who've been sick for way too long. And I'm mad because it doesn't line up with the word of God. I see people who have been overcome by the forces of darkness destroying the church of Jesus Christ. And it is against God's will. and, and, And it's wrong and I'm pleading their case before Jesus. I'm like, these people got demons. They're destroying your church, Lord. You promised to be a deliverer. Why have we not seen deliverance yet? Why, Lord, is this person still sick in body? Why is this person sick in spirit? Why is this person sick in their soul? And then I also complain a little bit about my own plight. I don't know if you do that. Complained a little bit. And so in my complaining, I like to call it, intercession, because then it sounds biblical, right? So in my intercession, I am screaming out to God, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Where are you? And in the midst of my screaming, I, 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 don't, I don't liken this to Jesus' experience at all. I just, It's nothing like it. But something got transfigured in the atmosphere. And in the midst of the atmosphere, things changed. And it was like um, a a fog, like if you've ever, if you understand the decompression of an airplane and instantly all the water vapor in the air turns into mist because of the decompression. And instantly it was like the entire atmosphere around me decompressed. And the Lord's like, son, I'm not away from you. You're in me. You are in me. Me. And I got, this, I got this feeling. It would it'd be like my spleen yelling out, where's Carl? Like, no, you're, you're in Carl. Like, like, we are not separated. You are in me. And the Lord gave me this vision. He's like, I'm in you. Or, you know, I am in him. Which led me to saying, you know, why aren't you doing what I want you to be doing, right? But in that midst of understanding who I am and where I am, I understood my prayer better. My prayer was not, why aren't you doing what you said you would be doing? My prayer was, I came to the understanding, why aren't you doing what I want you to be doing? And I repented. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I am in you. My future is assured. My status has already been settled. I am a son of God. I do not have to wonder where he is because I am in Christ. The old where I didn't know where God was, that's passed away. The old where I had to go to a temple, passed away. The old where we had to give a sacrifice and I had to be humiliated, passed away. Behold, all things are new. Friend, if you have received Christ as your Savior, the old way of asking, where are you, God, has passed away. I want it to be settled in your heart that you are in Him. He is all. He is everywhere. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, ever, ever-present, can't lie, can only do good, cannot do evil. You are in the midst of this life-giving God, and nothing can tear you away. And in the midst of your confusion, what God is teaching is that we need to ask better questions. Hallelujah. We have problems in the West that we have been trained by culture. I'm almost done here, so. We've been trained by culture on storytelling. If I can get the, uh, you can play some keys if you would, please. <clears throat> we don't even know we're being trained, but we have this expectation that in a half hour, an hour, depending on what kind of shows you watch, or within two hours if you're watching a movie, that there's going to be conflict, there's going to be some sort of narration of a story, there's going to be conflict in the story, and then there's going to be resolution at the end. And this is what we're trained for. In a half hour, there should be resolution. Or in an hour, there should be a resolution. Or in two hours, there should be a resolution. And we read the Bible like there is these series of conflict resolution, conflict resolution. And that's just not how God operates. God will just leave stories. In really good movies, the really good storytelling, at the end, some of the things aren't resolved. And they leave you to wonder. I wonder how that worked out. I, I wonder... I wonder what the resolution of that is. That's that's, that's a good story. I wonder wonder in the end. Jesus is a very good storyteller. Now, he's told us in the end that we will dwell in eternity with him. Between here and there, a lot of mystery, amen? We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what that's going to be like. We don't know what it's going to cost. We, 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 we we, We just don't know. And so we hear that the son came home the story's been resolved, everybody's happy, but the story isn't resolved. There's another son. There's an older brother who's away from the father as well. He, he finds out that the younger brother is being celebrated, and he gets mad. Now, this causes all kinds of questions. Verse 29 of Luke chapter 15. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet, You have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. The Greek there isn't serving. It's, I have been a slave to you. I've been as a slave to you. But when when the son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that's what happened. Nowhere in the story do we find that out. That's just what the older son says about the younger son. It's important to recognize what is not actually in the text, but we believe is. This is the accusation of the older, bitter son. This, this, that's not actually in the Bible. But the older brother says, this one who devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the cat, fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, and has begun to live, and was lost, and has been found. This is the father teaching the son what, what's really important. Like you're valuing money over people. That's a problem. And, and let me just say, there's a lot of church scandals happening right now where they valued attendance over ethics. They, they, they valued what the world values over what Jesus values. And it's being uncovered by the father. And a lot of people are doing a lot of PR stunts. And a lot of people are being hurt in the church because they believe these people. But when you read the scriptures, you start finding out that what I'm being taught isn't necessarily in the Bible. We need to build our foundation upon the rock, Jesus Christ. So he says, his older son says, I've worked all these years for you like a slave. Maybe, maybe this is the attitude that caused the younger brother to leave in the first place. The older brother thought he was a slave. He was a son, but he viewed himself as a slave and he wanted the younger brother to believe the same. Maybe. It's not in the scripture, but it makes sense to me. Felt like a slave and he treated his little brother like one. The older brothers claim that the father doesn't love lavish love on him for all his dedicated service shows that in a really, really ironic twist it's the good son who has failed to consider himself as a fellow heir of the father's estate instead he's regarded himself as a hired hand waiting patiently for his wage Now, we can apply that to ourselves. But we have to remember, first and foremost, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. He's talking to the Pharisees who believed that sinners were not worthy to be near Jesus. But they had to earn that right somehow. Just like this older brother thought that the younger brother needed to earn that right. And it's the Pharisees that are keeping people away from God. Just like the older brother possibly was keeping his brother away from the father. But if we were to learn this lesson and we put it into our lives, how are we viewing the world? How are we as a community viewing the lost people around us? Are they people who are lacking their real identity and need to come under the teaching of the word so that they can see that there is a father who killed a fatted calf for them so that they can come into right relation and into their real purpose. This is how we need to be viewing the world. It needs to break our heart that people are living lives away from God. Ceci, come on up if you please. Stand with me. I, um, the Lord told me this morning <clears throat> Ha! Ha! Huh. The Lord told me this morning that I'm supposed to pray for the reactivation of gifts, and I feel like—no, <clears throat> I'll say it boldly: we got some younger brothers and some older brothers in the house today, and I don't mean that as a, a slur or a slander. But frustration causes us to neglect the gift that we have. Things didn't work out the way either brother thought they were going to work out. And they both abandoned their gift. But there's that father who's telling his servants, come on, get them ready. Get a celebration ready because I need these people to walk in their real identity. It's time for the shame to be rolled away. It's time for a Gilgal to happen. And maybe you're going to go through some trials and tribulations on the road back to yourself. But that is what it will take for you to flourish in the land of promise. Can you say amen? This is is what we have signed up for as a church. We started this thing saying people are going to walk in the presence and power of God. And we preached the message of John the Baptist over and over and over and over again. And John the Baptist said that he will fill you with the Holy Ghost and fire. But then he said his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will consume the dross And I'm here to let you know there is dross in people's lives and people start running for the door when the real Holy Ghost of God shows up. When the God that's gonna bless me shows up, we're happy. When the God that might make me a rock star shows up, we get happy. But when the God of the pruning shows up, then we find out who's really a Christ follower. When the God of the burning of the draft with the winnowing fork shows up, then you'll know who really wants to stand on the truth. Are you with me? I have decided I would rather walk with Jesus than be lauded by the crowd. I have decided that when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I don't want to be shaken because I want my life to be built upon the rock. Jesus Christ. I want the truth of God to be dwelling in my life. And I want some people to show up and say, nah, bro, you're viewing it wrong. That's not who you really are. That's not your real identity. I know you feel like you have to gossip and, and slander to get to where God has called you, but this is not the kingdom you've been called to. I've called you to righteousness. I've called you to integrity. I've called you to learn this book and live it. I've called you to to learn the ways of Christ and follow him. I've called you to be a person of integrity. Hallelujah. 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 Let's pray in the spirit for a second. Shadabakat today, shayabakat today, lebabakata. We're gonna, we're almost done here. We're almost done here. Ha tenabekat today, shayabakataraba, shadabakat today, lebar lebabakataraba. I tell you, I tell you. I met with the leaders and I said wow. If you look at the war in Ukraine, that's just terrible. Can you say amen? It's just terrible. They had cities that looked just like ours, and now they look like what happened to Syria. There's just devastated buildings everywhere. There's just rubble everywhere. And I talked to the leaders, and I said, the trouble with rubble is you got to get rid of all the rubble before you can build again. Things in your life get destroyed and then you got to deal with the destroyed parts before you can rebuild the new thing. And you're like, "Lord, can't you just take it away?" And he's like, "That's the trouble with rubble. You got to you got to you got to deal with it before you can move on." In the church in America, the church in Florida, this church we're dealing, we got some rubble that we got to deal with. And if we're going to follow the biblical pattern, we're going to walk with a limp. But it's going to be a God limp. You say amen. It's going to be a limp with the presence of God in our lives. It's going to be a limp that gives testimony that God has touched me. Oh, shekabah So I want us to I want us to declare prophetically that you are my champion. But then we're going to make some declarations in the midst of the song that my words have power. The gift of God is going to be, oh, I I can see it right now, Cessie. I don't know if you see it or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see God activating some things in the midst of your declaration and faith. I'm here to tell you some of you are getting up out of your deathbed. I'm here to tell you some of you are getting up out of your deathbed. I'm here to tell you that the rattling bones will rattle no more. I'm here to tell you there is a new season that is dawn that is coming to dawn. Come on, somebody. I'm seeing old calls renewed. I'm seeing gifts reactivated. I'm saying this under the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. This is not something I'm... I'm not giving you a pep talk. Wow, I see evangelists bringing people into the house of God. Hear me. I see this so very clearly. I see evangelists evangelizing and discipling. I see people loving. Oh, wow. I see holy hugs happening. I see holy healing hugs happening. Listen, I see a restoration of gifts happening. I see uh, evangelism with discipleship. I see holy hugs that bring love that transform lives to understand the love of God. I see a prophetic word on someone's tongue that brings breakthrough to people. I see, I see freedom happening in the people in your lives that you will engage with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sha-ra-ra. Come on, listen, it says.
0: You are my champion.
1: Come on, it's not on you. Sing
0: it out. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. Come on. I am who you say I am. Come on, come on, sing in bold. You cry.
1: My you are my
0: champion. Come on,
1: sing aloud.
0: Come on. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Come on. Every battle you won. I am who you say I am. Shake off of AKK. You crown me with comfort. Come on, be crowned. I am Come on, be crowned right now. Come on. In the heaven.
1: Jesus Christ, receive it right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak to every gift. I speak to every call. I speak to every anointing on your life. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I speak to it right now. And I say life in the name, life in the name of Jesus, life in the name of Jesus. I say you come to life in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name resurrection. I prophesy Gilgal right now, the shame, the reproach, the gossip, the lie. The burden that has been spoken over you rolls away in the name of Jesus. Dreams come alive right now in the name of Jesus. I see the anointing of God coming into your heart right now. I see the anointing of God resting on your shoulders right now. I see you being crowned with confidence, confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. I see you knocking down the lie and building. Whoa! I see you casting it out of your house in the name of Jesus. I see you walking into your home and defeating the demons that are waiting for you there. I see you cut the four corners of your home. I see you walk in the four corners and saying, "I have authority here, devil. You're not going to mess with my sleep anymore. You're not going to mess with my health anymore. You're not messing with my mind anymore. I have authority here, and you have to leave in the name of Jesus. I command every." foul, and wicked, troubling devil that has vexed you has to leave in seven ways. Has to leave your life. Has to leave your finances. Has to leave your Oh! I see a conviction. I see the conviction of the Lord being restored over gossip. I see husband and wife saying, don't speak that in our home. Don't speak that in our family. Don't allow the curse to come upon our conversation. Speak that which is edifying. Speak that which is true." Treat that which is positive and upbuilding. Oh, let's go. Just go ahead, put your hand over your heart and just pray in the spirit. Prophesy over your own self. Come on, prophesy over your own self. Prophesy over your own self. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers rivers of living water rivers of live Listen, if you don't pray in the spirit, try right now. Shekara come out of your belly. Out of your belly. Out of, come on, come on, come on, out of your belly. Come on, out of your belly. Rivers. Rivers. Rivers of living water. Come on, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. In the spirit. Rivers. Rivers. Rivers, rivers. rivers.
0: defeated with the
1: one who has conquered Come on, I want you to touch three people right now. Say, come on, champion. You have authority. Come on. Touch, wow. that's three people. Come on, champion. You have authority. You have authority, champion. You have, come on. You have authority, champion. Come on, champion. You have authority. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Ain't nobody touch Carl. Come on affirmation <laughs> amen champion you have authority you have authority Sha come on give a shout to God listen we got we got Easter coming up let's bring some folks and let's let's let them meet Jesus amen amen give another clap offering to the Lord we love you give somebody a hug see you in life group online, whatever we got going on here. If you if you feel like you need someone to lay hands on you, just come on up here. And Duke has got something going on on him right now. Just you and Duke, Duke, just get something reactivated. Just he'll scream over here for a second. I feel like the Lord will do something.